Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Well, we see healing here, don't we? We're talking about healing. This is a very familiar portion of Scripture to many Christians. It's used frequently, talking about any number of subjects, uh, not the least of which is prayer and seeking God, repentance, proclaim to a nation. And these principles are true whether you're talking to a nation or to an individual. The principles are the same. But he is talking about physical healing in this passage as well as a broader scope. If you look up in the previous verses, you see that he mentioned pestilence being in the land. And that was one of the occasions of them praying and calling on the Lord. Pestilence, if you understand in the King James language, that means plagues, physical diseases and problems. And he said if they would do the things that he required, that uh, he would hear, he would forgive, he would heal. But what's the first thing in this verse that he said we're to do? Humble ourselves. My people, called by my name, that's us. If we would humble ourselves... Uh, you know, I think sometimes people miss that part, don't they? And they run over to the pray part, seek God part, repent part, and that's all important. But you know, you can't do those properly without humbling yourself. Amen. Amen. It's possible to pray just uh, ritualistically and not really humble your heart and not touch God. It's possible to go through the principles and make the confessions and and pull this lever and push this button, you see, as far as uh, steps go in receiving and what have you. But if your heart's not right, you won't receive. What is a right heart? A right heart's a humble heart and a true heart. Amen? An honest and a good heart. That's the kind of heart that uh, in the parable of the sower it said that received the seed and brought forth, you know, a great harvest. It was a, a heart that received a good and an honest heart that received the word and kept it with patience and brought forth fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Talking about the results of the word working in their life. Well, glory to God. We want to have a heart that's in the position to receive. Amen. Humble heart. We had said to you, and I'm just reviewing a little bit for those of you that weren't with us. We had said, you know, that the Bible teaches that everything that we receive, all of our salvation, new birth, healing, baptism of the Holy Ghost, any, any blessing, all comes to us by the grace of God. And it's received with our faith. Sometimes we put emphasis, faith, 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 and that's, that's fine. Uh, you know, there should be a lot of emphasis on our faith. That's how we receive. But there's something that comes before faith. And that's grace. Amen? We're saved by grace through faith. Which is first? The grace. The grace. See, except for the grace of God, you wouldn't even know to believe God. You wouldn't even know the provision of God. You understand? Even after you find out and you endeavor to believe you receive, it's still by the grace of God that you're sustained in faith until you see the manifestation of what you're believing for. Thank God for His grace. Amen. When you feel weak, when you feel insufficient, when it looks, when the trials look too great, too big of problems, praise God, He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Hallelujah. Amen. And it is. Sufficient for what? Not just sufficient to give you just a little bit of comfort while you spiral down the drain. 
No, no. No, no. Sufficient to cause you to be an overcomer. More than a conqueror. Victorious in God, in life. Amen. His grace is sufficient to get you over this physical attack and get you back to health and soundness. His grace is sufficient to get you out of this financial distress. Amen. And get you out of debt. And get you into abundance. Amen. His grace is sufficient to get you through this relationship problem. Amen. And get the past behind you. And achieve forgiveness. And restoration. It is. His grace is sufficient. Whatever you need. But we saw from the scriptures. Who gets the grace? The humble. James 4, 6. You remember? He said God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Amen. First Peter 5. Uh, over there about verses 5 and 6 or so. He talked about this. He says you uh, younger. Submit yourself to the elders. And all of you be clothed with humility. Amen. And he went on to say, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. He said, all of you, be clothed with humility. And as we had said, I think a lot of folk, they, they really don't know much about what humility is. And they really don't know uh, much about what pride really is. And so we've gone into some detail, and yesterday in particular, talked quite a bit about what humility is and how it's evidenced. And you might not have got it all just because you heard it one time yesterday. You understand? Uh, getting things is important. Amen. And I'll tell you one thing. You know, uh, humility is not something you just grasp hold of just because you heard it for five minutes. You need to meditate on it. And then, of course, above all, practice it. Amen. Amen. Which means putting your flesh under because the nature of your flesh is pride and selfishness. And that will jump up in your face every day of your life. It will come up. You'll have opportunities. You'll have to make a decision. Am I going to be selfish about this or am I going to walk in love? Am I going to, you know, be in pride about this or am I going to humble myself? It'll come up again and again, every day, every week, every month. Amen. Amen. Yeah, but Brother Keith, I thought, I, you know, if I walked for God for a few decades, you know, I'd arrive where I wouldn't have to do that anymore. It'll never happen in this life, friend. It'll always be something you have to deal with. Now, you learn better how to deal with it, but you always have to deal with it. Because your flesh is still your flesh. Nature is the same. Thank God one of these days the trumpet's going to sound. The glory of God's going to flow through these old bodies and they're going to be changed. Hallelujah. That'll be wonderful. But I'm talking about how to make it until then. Amen. <laughs> you got to deal with what you got right now. Praise God. So we talked about, we, we looked at some examples. We looked at the Syrophoenician woman. We looked at who? Naaman. And we looked at? Job, yeah, you guys have been listening, paying attention. We looked at Syrophoenician and Naaman and Job about how they, they got healed, didn't they? Every one of them. And that's what we want, get healed. And we see such a great connection between their humility. How they were able to make the necessary adjustments to get in position to receive. You see, healing belongs to us. It's been bought and it's been paid for. And it's God's will and God's power is more than enough to accomplish it and affect it in our life. But we have to receive it. What's been provided by God's grace must be possessed by our faith. And uh, you, your heart, has, you, you, don't, you don't receive and possess with your head. And you don't receive and possess with your flesh. You receive and possess with your heart, with your spirit. And so your spirit has to be in a position to receive and in a condition to receive. And so one of the great elements of having a heart that's in condition to receive is having a humble heart. A humble heart. 
Praise God. Now today I want to go on to talk about a couple of things that, that have to do with humility and healing. And these very specifically have to do with it. And that is this truth and this fact that humility of heart is evidenced in a yieldedness. In a yieldedness to God. A yieldedness to God's spirit. A yieldedness to God's word. A yieldedness to his holy anointing. Whereas rebellion is manifested in a resistance to his word or to his spirit or to his things. You understand what I'm saying? You know, humility and rebellion can be evidenced in whether we resist the things of God or whether we uh, yield to the things of God. I want you to notice two verses of Scripture with me, if you would. We're uh, in Second Chronicles. If you would look, look over with me at the 30th chapter of Second Chronicles. And then also we're going to go to Acts 7, if you want to find both of those places. Second Chronicles 30 and Acts 7. Second Chronicles 30 and then also Acts 7. We'll be looking at these together. How many understand what I'm saying? That if you resist the Holy Ghost, that can be an evidence of pride. Right? But to yield and cooperate with the Holy Ghost is an evidence of humbling yourself and pursuing His will. Even if it's in conflict with what originally was your own will. Amen. Second Chronicles 30 verse 8. The prophet said to them, Second Chronicles 30, verse 8. Now be ye not stiff-necked as your fathers were. Now let's just stop right there and just, just for a moment. <laughs> uh, don't be stiff-necked, he said. And then he went on to say, like your fathers were. You know, whether we realize it or not, we're a lot more like our parents than we might like to admit we are. And that's not always bad to be like your parents. Nor is it always good. In most of our lives, most of our lives, we inherited some good things and some bad things from our parents. You understand? I say sometimes humorously, I've had some folk that didn't care for it too much, but I've told young people, single people, and if you get interested, you know, in that young lady, young man, if you get interested in that young lady and you get pretty serious about her, before you get too serious, go visit her parents. Watch her mom and dad carefully, particularly her mom. Because she's a lot like them. A lot. I've had folks just get fighting mad at me about that. Young lady, you get interested in that young man, you know, go, go visit his parents. Look at him real closely. Watch him, particularly his dad, because he's a lot like him, an awful lot like him. Be it good or bad. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not so good. 
Like I said, usually it's a mixture of both. Now, a lot of times folks don't like to look at that. They don't like to think about that. But, uh, you know, it's just the way it is. You know. I thank God for my mom and dad. Oh, you know. If I had to pick some out from the world, you know. and uh, You know, if I had a choice of any parents in the world, I might have just picked them, you know, above everybody anyway. Before I ever knew them. Good parents. But they didn't do everything right. They'd tell you themselves, you know. They made some mistakes. They could have done some things differently. And they had areas they're working on in their life and still to this day. You know? But as a child, you come into this world like a blank piece of paper. You know? You don't have any preconceived ideas. You don't know anything. And what you learn is what you see and what you live in. And without realizing it, you, you begin to pick up more and more things from them. And you are very, very much like them. Good and bad. Now, he, here he said a bad thing about their, their forefathers. He said they resisted the Holy Ghost and were stiff-necked. And he said don't be like them in that respect. Amen. You know, a lot of times people will make excuses and they say, well, you know, that's just the way I am. That's the way my daddy was. That's the way my mama was. That's the way my grandpa was. I'm sorry. That's just my way. Well, that's no excuse if it's wrong. Well, that's just my way. Well, maybe you need to change. You were not always that way. There was a time and point in your life where you learned that way. I said, well, yeah, you know, but you, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't classify myself as an old dog. We're new creatures. Amen. And you can change. I said, you can change. Everybody say, I can change. Now, see, isn't that the scripture we looked at in Matthew 13, 15? He said, if they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and are converted. What that word convert means? It means to turn or to change, and I should heal them. Healing, Matthew 13, 15. If you see and hear and understand, and then you can make the changes, you can make the adjustments, and the Lord said, then I can heal you. I don't care if you've been a certain way for 45 years. You can change if you will. And so many times people, are, they're, they're just saying it wrong. It help them tremendously if they just start saying it correctly. Instead of saying, I can't change, they should say, I won't. Because that's the truth. It's not true that they can't. They just won't. Don't want to. You know? And after somebody's been a certain way for a long time, they just get used to it. And it's just comfortable to be that way. And they just don't want to change. In fact, here's, here's something that's amazing. There are times when people even see that they need to change and know it would be great for them if they would. But they're just not going to. <laughs> that'll cost them. I said, that'll cost them. Brother Hagin said years ago, when he was out on the field ministry before he ever, you know, came out here and everything, held a fellow a meeting in his church. And he said while he was, even before he got there and while he was holding this meeting for this man, he said the Lord dealt with him that that pastor was going to die. Prematurely, his young man, he's going to die. Prematurely. And yet he didn't have to. And the Lord had sent him there, among other things, to help him. 
And he was teaching and preaching on some things in the morning services that, that would have, you know, would have answered some things and helped the guy take the changes, help him see some things. You know, of course, if he'd have humbled himself and received it and made some adjustments, and he could have lived and, and gone on. But he said the fellow never would even come to the sessions. Never even came. Oh, he's busy doing this and busy doing that and just never... It's his own church. It's his own meetings. But he's not coming to them. And he'd see them at mealtime sometimes in the afternoon or evening or something. And a lot of times he wasn't there either. And finally, toward the end of the meeting, Brother Hagin said he just, he kind of felt desperate about it. You know, man, this fellow's going to die. Doesn't he know this, you know? And, and he's not getting these things. He's not even here for it. And so he just kind of blurted out to the man's wife because he wasn't even there. His wife, he, he said, do you know that, uh, that your husband's in, in trouble? Yes, she realized that. He finally blurted out to the man when he caught him. He said, he said do you know you're going to die? And the man looked at him and said, yeah, Brother Hagin, I know. I know. He said, well, do you know you don't have to? He said, well, maybe. He said, but you know, for, for me to hear what you're saying and accept what you've been saying and teaching in these sessions or what have you, I'm going to have to get up in front of my congregation and admit to them that I'm wrong and admit to them that I've taught wrong and I've said the wrong thing. And he said, I, I'd just rather die than do that. And just a very short time, he's dead. He died. He's gone. Well, now, what was that? Pride. And lots of it. Man, pride can cost you, can it? Not being willing to make a change. Not being willing to make some adjustments. In your thinking. In your believing. In your attitudes. In your ways. You've got to be careful about saying, well, I, I'm sorry, that's just the way I am. Well, maybe the way you are is not so hot. And you need to change. You know, a lot of times you hear people saying this. Well, you know, you have to love me the way I am. The Lord loves me the way I am. Who said? Oh, well, the Bible said, no, the Bible don't say that. No. No, no, the Lord didn't say he loves you the way you are. He loves you where you are. He loves you, but that doesn't mean he loves all the ways you are. Now, I realize we use that phrase, you know, well, the Lord loves you the way. Well, what we mean, it might be better if we'd change it up a little bit. The Lord loves you right where you are. No matter how you are, He loves you. No matter what you've done, He loves you. No matter how many nasty ways you have, He loves you, but that does not mean He loves those ways. Are you with me? No. And I can love you without having to love your stinking ways. You can love me without having to love some goofy way I might be. How many understand God loves sinners? Amen. Does He love their sin? No. Absolutely not. Well, then does He love the way they are and the way they live and the way they think? No, no, no. In fact, He hates that. But does He love them? Yes. yes. Are you with me? Oh, the Lord loves us. He loves us right where we are. He loves us. No matter how we are, but that doesn't mean that he loves a wrong way. 
You know, I've seen people just get downright, you know, defiant. Well, you just have to love me the way I am. Oh, no. No, no. We don't have to love goofy ways and prideful ways. And sometimes love can be quite tough and abrupt. You understand what I'm saying? Love will do what's best for you, whether you like it or not. See, some folk get misunderstood. They thought loving people means you always give them what they want. And see, you know, people want that kind of love. Give me what I want. No matter what I want, give me what I want. But that's not love. Love doesn't just give you what you want. You understand? Especially if something, what you want and it's not what you need. Well, it's a little quiet today. <laughs> but uh, be ye not stiff-necked as your fathers were. Some ways that you learned at home, in your church, in your denomination, in your group, you may need to get over. You may need to change. And I'll guarantee you that every one of us need to make some changes. Amen. You know, have you ever thought about, you know, how many in here ever drove a car? As you drive a car, you need to uh, keep it on the proper course, don't you? In the right lane, in the right, on the right highway, in between the ditches, we might say. You know, keep it in the right place. Right? How many understand that in order to do that, you have to make constant course corrections? Have you ever noticed? When you get on the road driving that car, what are you doing with your hand all the time? A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there. Of course, if you, if you have a big curve or something, a lot of adjustment. Right? If, you have to, if you're going to turn around and go the other way, a lot of adjustment. Isn't that right? If you're going the right way and, you, and, and it's a pretty straight, smooth course, not much adjustment and yet constant adjustment, just little small adjustments. How many understand you're moving that wheel just a little bit all the time? That's why you've got to keep your hand on it. And you're moving it constantly. As you go down your course in life, spiritually it's like that. You have to make little corrections. I mean, every day of your life. Even if you're on the right course, even if you're doing the right thing, you still got to make little corrections. Why? Because you've got your unrenewed mind to deal with. You've got your flesh to deal with. And those things can get you off real easy. But you've got you to make a little correction here. And sometimes you've got to stop that thing and turn it all the way around and get back because you took a wrong turn back up here. And you've got to get up here and take this turn. Sometimes you've got to make major corrections. But you're always having to make corrections. Even when you're on the right course and everything's going good, you're still making little minor corrections all the time. Little attitude adjustments. You know, little thinking tweaks. That, look, that, that thought's not quite right, you know. Tune that one up. You know what I'm saying? L- little things. Even, even when you seem to be doing real good, you're still making little adjustments here and there. And it's entirely possible to get off and, and need to back up and take another, you know, go the other direction. But he said, don't be stiff-necked. Tell your neighbor, say, don't be stiff-necked. <laughs> now, now, now what is, let's just stop right there. What is stiff-necked? Somebody stiff-necked, what does that mean? 
You see? No, no moving. You know, people just, just brace themselves, you know. Stiff neck. God tried to deal with the Israelites there, their fathers, that first generation. He tried to deal with them, put away your idols, serve me, keep my law. And they just, you know, just stiff-necked. He said, don't do that. I know God doesn't like stiff-necked. Don't do that. But do what? Yield yourselves unto the Lord and enter into His sanctuary. Glory to God. Entering too. Do you see the connection there between yielding and entering? How many want to enter into the blessings of God? Enter into the fullness of what's in God. Got to yield yourselves, don't you? Yield yourselves. Over in the New Testament, Stephen in the seventh chapter of Acts was preaching to them. And he summed up some things. And of course, this is right before they stoned him. I'm trusting I come out a lot better than he did today. But... <laughs> Acts 7:51. He's preaching a tremendous sermon here. And then he looked straight at him and he said, verse 51 of Acts 7, he said, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Now, now look, do you, do you see that phrase, uncircumcised? Now, what did we say to you that Matthew 13, 15, he said, These people's heart has waxed gross, thick, unfeeling. And see, in circumcision, the flesh was cut away. And, and, and the Bible says, you know, that now our hearts are to be circumcised. So that we're feeling and sensitive and can see and hear. He said, this bunch is stiff-necked and uncircumcised. They can't see. They can't hear. They're insensitive. He said, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Of course, like I said, just a few verses later, they stoned him for that. You know, or did you know, that it's possible to know scriptures and not know the Holy Ghost? Do you know that? Oh, yeah. To be a real churchgoer and a tape player and not know the Holy Ghost. You know, Jesus said in John, he said uh, to, to some of the most religious people of his day, he said, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you won't come to me. See, some of those Pharisees and those Sadducees and scribes and doctors of the law, man, they were the scriptorians of their day. You might call them the word people of their day. And yet not spirit of the word, letter of the word. Dead letter of the word. They could probably outquote either four or five of us put together on the Old Testament. I mean, they quoted the word, especially the Pharisees. Oh, man, they could quote the word, the Old Testament, the law, and the prophets, and, of course, all the man-made commentaries on it. They could quote them backwards and forwards. But then when the Son of God was manifested in the flesh in front of them, they didn't recognize him. You know, the same thing is true today. It's possible to quote scriptures right and left and have the Holy Ghost move and not even recognize it. Amen. You've got to yield yourself to the Holy Ghost. And there's two main reasons that I know of, and I'm not saying these are the only reasons, but two main reasons I know of why people don't yield themselves to the Holy Ghost. One is ignorance. 
People don't know what is God. You see? And if you're not sure it's God, you're not going to yield to it. And so it's challenging for people to yield to what's unfamiliar to them. And to yield to what's unknown to them. Somebody says, well, how can, you, how can you tell and know whether something's God or not? Well, there's two main ways that you know what's God. Number one is if it's God, if it's the Holy Ghost, it'll be completely in line with the Bible. Amen. It'll sound just like the Word of God. You'll see it in the Word of God. It'll be there. Not just a isolated half of a verse, but you'll see the theme of it in the Scriptures, here and there in different places. But secondly, if it's the Holy Ghost, if you're a child of God, you've got the Holy Ghost inside of you. He's in you. If you're born again, now if the Holy Ghost's not in you, you're not born again. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about the Holy Ghost coming on you and speaking with tongues. I mean, that's the fullness of the Spirit. But even in the new birth, you've got the Spirit in you. If you're born again, you have the Spirit in you. And if the Spirit's moving and doing something, then you'll know inside you if you'll pay attention to your heart. But see, that's the problem. He said a lot, a lot of folks' hearts waxed gross. They don't pay attention to their heart. Their heart's thick and unfeeling. They just live out of their head all the time. But if it's the Holy Ghost, it'll be in line with the Bible, and you'll, your own spirit will bear witness to it if you'll pay attention to your heart. Now, if you just try to rationalize and figure it out with your head, well, you, you may be confused and won't know. But if you just, just tune your head out, just quit figuring, and just check your heart. How does it seem to my heart? Well, see, if it's the Holy Ghost, you've got the same Holy Ghost in you, in the new birth, and he'll bear witness to whatever he's doing in another situation. You'll know it's in. Even if it's unfamiliar to your head, it's familiar to your heart. Because it's the same spirit. And I said a lot of times folk don't yield because they don't know. Ignorance. They don't know what's God and they're not sure. And they don't know how to yield. That's still ignorance, still lack of knowledge. But then secondly, the second main reason I can see why folk don't yield is what we've been talking about. Pride. You see, if you know it's the Holy Ghost, and you know what to do, you know how to yield, and don't do it, then that's rebellion. Is that right? And that's pride. Right? You know, the word yield is kind of a misunderstood word, I think, in many circles. Uh, yield, I, I know of at least two major portions of definition to the word yield, and I'm not talking about English definition, I'm talking about Greek definitions. To the word yield, one of them is this. Yield means to give place to. To give in to or to give place to. And I think most people are familiar with that. But the second one, which is just as much part of the Greek definition, and you see it, if you study it, you'll see it translated, and you see that it means that. To yield not only means to give in to or to give place to, to yield means to do. To do. Now, that's where I, th I think a lot of times folk miss it. To yield means to do. A lot of times I've seen them because I've endeavored to help people yield to the Spirit of God in healing, yield to the Spirit of God in being filled, yield to the Spirit of God in worship and praise or whatever. And sometimes you, you, you admonish people, you know, well, go ahead and yield to that. And folk, in their mind, when you say yield, they think you mean do nothing and let the Holy Ghost do everything. You understand what I'm saying? When, when you say, well, yield to the Holy Ghost, they think you mean, well, just become very passive. 
do nothing. Let the Holy Ghost have his way and do everything. But see, that's, that's not how you should understand that. Because the Holy Ghost does not make people do things. No, no, no. You have to yield to him and you have to yield yourself to him. Amen. Now, you know, if, unless the Lord leads us a different direction, and I believe he's leading us this way, we're going to lay hands on folk. Any, anybody that would like to have hands laid on them to be healed in just a few moments. And we've done this for years. Having ministered in, in the healing school here, get opportunity to lay hands and minister to people all the time. And uh, when I first started working in healing school, I just ministered to people just completely by faith. The Bible said believers would lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. I'm a believer. I got hands. I laid them on folks that were sick. And praise God, we saw people recover. I never sensed or felt any healing power, per se, just by faith. And I think a lot of times folks make a mistake by, by trying to feel something. Because they hear people like Brother Hagin talk about sensing the healing power and anointing. And they think, well, everybody's supposed to sense the power. But you see, when the Lord appeared to him and ministered to him, he told him, he said, I'm giving you a special anointing. He said, everybody doesn't have that. And not everybody's supposed to have it. And yet everybody can lay hands on people. You understand you can lay hands on people, not feel one thing. And just believe that they'll recover, and then believe that they'll recover. And what did the Bible say would happen? They'll recover. Now what does recover mean? Now see, recover does not mean, you know, technically, it does not mean that instantaneously every symptom disappears. Recover means what? Begin to get better. It implies a process. You get better and better until you're whole and strong. But uh, after serving here in the healing school for some years, Brother Hagin laid hands on me and some others of us in connection with healing school. After he laid hands on me in connection with healing school, I began to sense an anointing I didn't have before when to lay hands on people. Now, it wasn't a real powerful anointing, but I could sense it. A couple of three years later, he laid hands on me again in connection with the healing school. And that anointing got much stronger then. And we've endeavored to uh, be faithful and, and minister that way year after year now. And it gets stronger every year. Praise God. And, and of late, there's been times when I've been preparing and just thanking God for the healing anointing, endeavoring to get my heart right and uh, get so strong on me, I just virtually fall down. Strong. Well, that's a help, you see. I mean, you don't have to have somebody lay hands on you to be healed. You can be in your room right by yourself and you say, By faith, I believe I receive what Jesus provided for me. By his stripes, I'm healed. But it takes more faith to do that. It's a help to your faith if somebody in faith lays hands on you with tangible healing power. You see, that's, that's a help to your faith. Makes it easier. And the Lord loves us and he wants, to, you know, he wants everybody to receive. And so he puts a lot of different helps like this. But in ministering to people and laying hands on people, you know, of course you learn things as you go, but not everybody yields the same. Some folk don't yield at all. And like I said, I think part of it is ignorance. People don't know. They just don't understand. They don't realize. A good example of what we're talking about is in the area of being filled with the Spirit and speaking with other tongues. I don't know about you, you know, perhaps some of you have never received and don't speak in tongues. Today's your day also. Same spirit that heals, fills. Amen. Amen. 
And if you've never spoken with tongues and you'd like to, when we have the healing line, you can come right on up. You won't have to say anything to me when I lay hands on you. Same spirit that's coming on them to heal them, he'll come on you to fill you. And you can yield and speak in tongues today, right here, now. But I know years ago, forever came to Ramah, I was Pentecostal, we always taught to tarry. And we tarried and tarried. Dear Lord, I tarried. There's no telling how many hours I tarried. I mean, it was one night. We had a revival meeting. I came up there and I started tearing at about, oh, 9.30, 10 o'clock. 3 o'clock in the morning, I was still there tearing. 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 And I did that for, you know, I don't know how long I did that. Finally, I read Brother Hagin's book, Seven Steps, How to Receive the Holy Ghost. I read those steps. I closed the book. I thought, nah. That's too easy. And I learned something. See, here's my, here's my thought. That can't be right. Because see, if that's right, then I have wasted all kind of time and effort over here. I mean, I had... And see, a lot of folk are not willing to humble themselves and admit that they've been dumb and ignorant. So they don't receive. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, that can't be right. No. Because see, if that's right, you're going to have to admit, I've done a bunch of stuff for nothing. But, praise God, the Lord granted me grace enough to have enough, you know, humility to look at it and say, well, I've tried everything else. So I did what the book said. said, thank you, Lord, I believe I received. By faith now I speak in tongues. And then spoke in tongues. Then I stopped and thought, nah, nah, that can't be it. Because see, mother so-and-so, when she received, she saw a ball of fire. She rolled under the front pew, sang four songs. Looking for a spectacular experience. You understand what I'm saying? I see, people try to over-spectacularize the things of God. And people may have some spectacular experiences, but that don't mean you're supposed to try to have it. You just need to believe you receive and yield, and you know you speak with tongues. That was consistent evidence in the New Testament. But these other things may or may not be. Anyway, here's something that's interesting. There were times, now in this Pentecostal church, all the men would get on one side, all the women get on the other side. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking, tarrying. And I'd have guys in front of me and guys behind me, guys on the sides, you know, and they're patting me on the back. And they said, come on, brother, come on, you know, uh, uh, you know, ask the Lord for the Holy Ghost, you know. You know, hold on, brother, hold on. Someone said, turn loose, brother, turn loose. And, you know, I mean, you know, and folks spitting in your face and slapping you, and, you know. And don't, don't misunderstand me, I'm not making fun. These folks sincere, okay? And I tell you, you know, that morning I said, you know, I was up, to, you know, I was up there tearing three o'clock in the morning. You know, every, most everybody left, you know, of course. And the pastor finally said he, he had to go, you know. And, and, but, you know, he wasn't gone but about an hour. He came back. And he said, you know, I just couldn't sleep. No one was up here tearing. I had to come help you. Well, you know, there's a lack of knowledge there. But I tell you, there's some commitment there. And some love that a lot of charismatics just hadn't got. Man, they won't pray with you five minutes. They just slap you and say, believe God, brother. And they're gone to Shoney's. Ha, ha, ha.
<laughs> you know? So a lot of times folk are ridiculing others for their lack of knowledge when they may have lack of something even more serious. Like compassion and commitment. That's just a side thought. But anyway, there were times when I was up there tarrying. And I'm, and I'm yelling, you know, like Brother Hagin said, sound like a freight train going through a tunnel, you know. Oh, God. Oh, God. Give me the Holy Ghost. Give me the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, 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 oh, God. Give me the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy. You know, isn't it strange how we don't talk to anybody else like that? You know, you don't see a friend of yours named Sam and go, Oh, Sam. Sam, 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 Sam. Oh, Sam. Sam, Sam, Sam. You know, a lot of it's just religious. It's just religious. And it's habit. Well, that's our way. That's what we're talking about. Our ways that are not necessarily God. Just us. And some of these ways are hindersome. Hindersome. Anyway. Now, don't you misunderstand me. I believe in being fervent in prayer. And being persistent. But also in being intelligent. And being, most of all, effective. Effective. Because the Bible talks about vain prayer. Doing it for nothing. Anyway, I'd be carrying on like this for hours. And you know, here's something very interesting. Me. So strong. Until I'd hear something go, boom. Boom. And I look around, and these men that are praying with me are falling under the power. <laughs> Fell out in the power. Fell out in the power. Fell out. And sometimes I'm there by myself, still tearing, and these folks fall all over the floor. And they were really falling. It was, the re- it was really the Holy Ghost. I could sense Him strong. Man, I could sense Him all over me. And I'm still yelling, Oh, God, give me the Holy Ghost. Give me the Holy Ghost. Give me the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is all over me saying, here I am, here I am, right here, right here. But see, I was not yielding, okay? Mostly because of ignorance. See, it wasn't so much pride and rebellion that I wasn't receiving, just pretty much ignorance. Understand? All I'd have had to do is just believe I receive Him into myself. And just by faith start speaking. And he was there to give me the utterance. He was there to fill me. I mean, all over me. And I'm yelling, give me the Holy Ghost. And he's right there. Do you understand? you got to yield. And see, I'd tell some of the other, fellow, uh, other folk, you know, I said, well, I'll tell you one thing now. If you see me speaking in tongues, it'll be the Holy Ghost. See, I don't go for this fake stuff and this, you know, and this put on and all this stuff, you know. If you see me talking in tongues... You know it's the Holy Ghost. Now that sounds all fine and good. But it's some more ignorance and wrong thinking there. Because as long as I talk like that, I never spoke in tongues. Because the Bible does not say that the Holy Ghost speaks in tongues. No, sir. No, ma'am. If you don't talk in tongues, you won't talk in tongues. By faith, You've got to speak out. You know, when you're speaking in tongues, the fact that you're speaking is not supernatural. 
Now listen carefully. You're using your tongue and vocal cords and lungs and diaphragm just like you do when you're speaking in your known tongue. You have to shape the syllables. You have to speak it out. The thing that's supernatural is that the utterance for what you're saying is not coming from your head. It's not coming from your mind. It's coming out of your heart. But unless you speak it out, it won't be spoken out. The Holy Ghost is not going to make you speak. He's not going to speak, into, you know, like you're some speaker and Him just speaking through you. You're the one that's doing the speaking. This is why a lot of folk have not received in these areas. Because, see, they don't understand that the Holy Ghost doesn't make you do things. He doesn't just do it independently of you. You do it in response to His promptings and urgings. But that's what it means to yield to the Holy Ghost. When we say yield to the Holy Ghost, we don't mean just step back and do nothing. Yield to the Holy Ghost means act on the promptings and urgings that the Spirit of God gives you. Amen. If the Spirit of God prompts you to praise Him, don't wait until He makes you because He's not going to make you. Go ahead and cooperate with that. Yield with that. If He prompts you to shout, to dance, to whatever... Then you don't, don't look around and say, well, I wish you know, I wish I could do that. Well, it's up to you completely. When you sense the prompt and the urge, now the rest of it's up to you. You either step out or you don't. You understand what I'm saying? If you, if you never received the Holy Ghost, you know, if you, if you'll pray and believe you receive the Holy Ghost to come on you, you, He'll be on you. There'll be a prompting there, but then it's up to you entirely. Are you going to speak or not speak? And the same thing is true in healing. Exactly. I've seen healing power come all over a person and them not be affected at all. Why? They didn't know how to yield to it. I've seen people be overwhelmed by the power and fall on the floor, not be affected at all. The power was there. But you've got to yield. Amen. I've had healing lines before where people came up, you know, and I'm going to lay hands on them, and they were like this. See, now that kind of reminds you of stiff. Right? <laughs> and don't misunderstand me. I understand that, you know, there's some preachers, bless their hearts, I don't know why they do it. But they hit people and they knock people down. Push people down. That's silly. You understand what I'm saying? You know what they're trying to do? Make up for a lack of anointing. And a lack of faith. I've seen people bless their hearts. You know, I mean, pull their hand way back here. Slap people. Push people. That's not God. That's not right. Did you hear me? Besides that, people don't have to fall to be healed. Falling doesn't heal you. In fact, I've seen people get hurt falling. It's a healing line, not a falling line. Now, if you fall, that's fine. You understand what I'm saying? In fact, it'd be better to be a little more yielded than to be like this. Amen. You know what I'm saying? But people, you know, if you come today, I assure you, I will not hit you. I will not drive the bridge of your glasses into your nose. I will not press your nose all over your face. I'll do what the scripture said. I will lay hands on you. Amen? And then believe that the anointing comes into you. Amen? 
You've got to yield yourself to Him. You know, the Bible not only teaches yielding, it also teaches resisting, but not resisting the Holy Ghost. Yield to the Holy Ghost, resist the devil. You know, when it comes to sickness and disease, you've got to resist it. A lot of times people get tired of resisting it, and they quit and give up and die. You understand what I'm saying? Don't do it. Somebody say, well, I just, you know, I guess we just, nature will take its course. No, 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 no. That's from the enemy, that sickness and disease. You're supposed to fight it. You're not supposed to just say, well, you know, just let it, you know, nature have its course. What do you mean nature? See, these, some of these things are so vague, and you know. There's two major forces on this planet, God and the enemy. And you're going to decide which one you're going to resist and which one you're going to yield to. Because it's coming every day. The enemy is trying to get you to yield to him. And God the Holy Ghost would like you to yield to him. But God's not going to make you. And here's a good thought. The devil can't make you. Now, I don't care what anybody said. You're a blood-bought child of God with the name of Jesus. The devil can't make you do anything. Now he'll lie to you and tell you that he can. He'll lie to you and tell you, well, you can't help what you think. You can't help what you do. And if you believe those lies, those lies will blind you and bind you. But the truth, my friend, will set you free. It's my mind. I can think what I want to or not think what I don't want to. It's my body. I do what I want to with it. I don't have to yield to something I don't want to. Amen. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Yield to the Holy Ghost. He'll fill you, thrill you, and heal you, and bless you. Can you say amen? amen? Oh, glory to God. Don't resist the Holy Ghost. Now, do you understand what we're saying? When we say yield to the Holy Ghost, we're not just, we don't just mean do nothing, do we? What, what does it mean to yield to the Holy Ghost? Do, act on the promptings and urgings. You know, another way that shows humility... A lot of times, there may be people that have walked with God longer than you have and know the Holy Ghost better than you do. And if they try to help you see that, hey, this is the Spirit, yield, yield to Him. It'd behoove you, if they're, if they're proven people, you understand what I'm saying, to pay attention. You know, I worked with Brother Hagin here for years, and there, there are times he told me the Spirit of God was wanting to do something with me, and I hardly realized it. You know what I'm saying? And then when I began to step that way, I could see it. But because of my immaturity and dullness, I, it wasn't that real to me. But if I'd have just said, well, no, no, I don't, I don't have anything, I don't know. That'd be some pride there. You understand what I'm saying? There's been times, especially years ago, I mean, you, think, you know, in the, in the seminar, Brother Hagin called us out a time or two. And, and there's been times, especially years back, he, he called me up. And there's been times, man, I, if I had something, I didn't know it. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Now, now sometimes he'd ask me, say, what, do you, do you have anything, you know? Because, you know, maybe you don't. But sometimes he'd say, you know, I think the Lord wants you, wants you to do something here. Or come on up. Well, the Bible said, you believe God, you'll be established. Believe his prophets. You'll prosper. Amen. And so there's been times I just responded in faith. And as I went, I did get something. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? I've tried to help other folks that work with me sometimes. A lot of times had good success, sometimes not. I've tried to help folks, you know, say, you know, go ahead and yield to that. Go ahead and step out on that. And a lot of times folks did, and, and it was good and right. 
They learned, saw some things. I've had other folk just balk on me. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times, what's involved? That P word again. And it's subtle stuff, isn't it? And I have to deal with mine. You have to deal with yours. But uh, let's learn from our elders as well. I mean, that's what that scripture said in over in 1 Peter. Ye younger, submit yourself to the elders. Be clothed with humility. Is that right? Now, you've got the Holy Ghost. I don't mean to swallow anything and everything anybody says to you, okay? I'm not saying that. But on the other hand, realize that folk may have more experience than you do. And pay attention to it and learn. Take advantage of it. You'll learn quicker yourself. Amen. I, there's no doubt in my mind, no doubt in my mind, that if I hadn't had the opportunity to work here under this ministry, work in healing school, Brother Hagen, what have you, I, I wouldn't know a fraction of what I'm able to know now. I know that. Because why? Well, it took him decades to learn some things he's learned. Nobody taught him a lot of it. He they learned some of it by hard knocks. You know what I'm saying? And he's told some of us before, he says, if you don't, ta- if you don't take what I've got and go on, he said, I'm going I'm to kick you. He talks about, man, if I'd have had the opportunity that some of y'all have, you know, to know what you know as young as you know and, and you know, get with it and go. Amen. Amen. We're a privileged people, aren't we? To have the knowledge and understanding that we have. But it's not just to sit around and say, I know. It's to yield and go and do. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Yield to the Holy Ghost. Yield to the Holy Ghost. Yield to the Holy Ghost. Do you understand what we're saying to you, friend? The Holy Ghost doesn't make you do things. You sense where He's going, and then by faith you act. You step that way. And you step into the anointing. And the unction is there. He's not going to make you say. He's not going to make you go. He's not going to make you receive. He's not going to make you do. You have to sense His moving and prompting and then cooperate, yield, receive, act, say, do. You understand? You know? People, what, what about prophecy and tongues and interpretation, you know? What about special faith and word of knowledge and all these manifestations of the Spirit? All by the same principles. Some people have the idea, they over-spectacularize these things, just like I did the speaking with tongues, you see. That the Holy Ghost is going to make you do things. That if you got used in the working of miracles, it'd be like, you know, God just falls on you, and you're almost in a trance, you see, and a miracle happens, and somebody says, man, did you know you just got used in the working of miracles? And you go, wow. But I'm telling you, in most situations, that's not the case. I've been used in those areas. And I'm telling you, you'll sense it in your heart. And, it, and you need to know it's God. You need to be sensitive to Him to know it's Him. But then you've got to have faith to act on it. And boy, your head will give you problems. Boy, your head will give you problems. Your head will say, don't you do that. Uh-uh. No, no, no. What if it doesn't work? You don't want to do that. You know how silly you look? You don't want to do that. You don't want to, if you listen to your head, it'll talk you right out of the blessing. But when you sense the prompting and urging of the Spirit of God, what do you do? What do you do? Yield! Which means act on his promptings and on his urgings. Can you say amen? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.